we moved from being a part of nature to being apart from nature. The revered narrator David Attenborough has stated in his memoir, A Life on Our Planet, that the solution to how to benefit both humans and the ecosystem has been staring us in the face all along. Quote, to restore stability to our planet, we must restore its biodiversity, the very thing that we've removed. End quote. But how do we go about doing that? Right now, we humans are forced into an ever-diminishing cycle of sustainability with respect to the climate. And these are choices that leave our environments in increasingly devastating conditions. Even though we have enough knowledge and technology to help our environments, we just conveniently accept the solutions in the hopes that accept like solutions that that make humans do kind of nothing in the hope that nature will take care of itself. So the question of this episode is what happens in a time where communities and economies of organisms of this planet are left behind while the force of economic globalization surges more powerfully. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Amygdala Podcast. I'm your host, Siddhant Karmali. In the next few episodes, we will discuss why sustainability is not enough for a doctrine of how humanity should behave, and how something called regenerative thinking is an effective alternative. This episode is the introductory episode to that series. We as a species have the power and resources to reverse climate change on this planet and restore its longevity for generations to come. And I don't want to sound overly dramatic or cliched, but we adolescents are the ones defining the direction of that world. And the power and the resources are falling to us now. In my opinion, this doctrine of being sustainable and be and conserving what's left of the natural resources on Earth is a good start, but it's inadequate to completely protect the Earth from rapid cataclysmic destruction. Sustainability is not enough. If we think of something as sustainable, then that means it contains just enough for the system to grow back. We are playing a whack-a-mole game with our environments. The mole emerging represents an ecosystem renewing itself, or and the mallet represents human technology. In other words, technology is used in a manner that disallows ecosystems to renew themselves and their resources. Now we'll go one level deeper. We'll play whack-a-mole, but with real moles. These real moles will be conditioned to learn that if you whack them enough, they don't want to come up again. And so the analogy is further that when we consider that if technology takes away an environment's ability to restore itself enough, it will become conditioned to less to restore itself less and less. One example is coral bleaching. The use of fossil fuels for energy has increased ocean temperatures and acidified them, leading to coral, sometimes entire reefs, turning white. In this state, they are unable to sustain the vibrant and eclectic lives that coral reefs normally support. If we continue using technology in this manner, we will have completely destroyed our ecosystems. Now, an alternative to sustainability is regenerative thinking. Simply, it means to put back more than the material material you consume. 
rather than getting by with the cycle of replenishing and de depleting, I and many professionals and scientists believe we can make it right by adding more back than we consume. I will now introduce, introduce an unassuming spokesperson to help me put forth my definition of an era based on the think doctrine of regenerative thinking. Luckily, they can't, sp or unluckily, they can't speak for themselves, so I will have to do it for them. I am talking about the Hydra. It's a humble Nidarian, it's, but it's widely recognized for its tremendous regeneration potential. It's a small creature measuring only up to 10 millimeters, but in those 10 millimeters, it holds the key to a fresh future. If cut in half, the Hydra will regenerate a foot from the top half and a head from the bottom half, essentially cloning itself to create two new smaller Hydras. Hydra also do not die of old age. This makes them a marvel of nature, a biologically immortal creature. In this vein, the Earth itself should be biologically immortal. Since this Nidarian, the Hydra, helped me to find our role as regenerators, I will now dub this name of the era of regenerative thinking and practices the Hydrocene. The Hydrocene is regenerative and hence biologically immortal. The Hydrocene is a more complete name for the era than the commonly used Holocene and Anthropocene because it frames its inhabitants as beings that are inherently cooperative and restorative. However, while being regenerative that will help, it will help only because the power to regenerate is not uniquely human. Ecosystems consisting of both humans and non-humans can actively work together to replace inadequacies within them, and this will create natural allies towards biological immortality. So providing regenerative therapy to the planet based not on one's own needs, but on a belief that all species should survive on this planet and a belief that appreciates other species for their existence and not their value to humans will greatly benefit us. In other words, the framework of regenerative thinking in the Hydrocene allows us to restore ecosystems not based on human moral responsibility, but based on the ecosystem's own resiliency. Humanity should use regenerative practices to support and use technology to assist ecosystems as they regenerate, to provide environments conducive to regeneration. And that may include actively regenerating. In the Hydrocene series, I will talk about how we must use three key technologies, artificial intelligence, genetic engineering, and urban geoengineering, regeneratively, to best assist the Earth's rebound. Restoration is not uniquely human. All natural species are inherently regenerative. An example of what can be is the city of Pripyat in Ukraine, which is the epicenter of the Chernobyl disaster of 1986. After the blast, it was abandoned by humans who feared the long-lasting effects of nuclear radiation, but the area has now seen a remarkable natural restoration, complete with plants and animals. 
wolves, bears, and beavers have returned to the areas after several years. Even Przewalski's horses, who were once extinct in the wild, are now often seen in the area of Pripyat, spurring further restoration efforts. Thus, the power of restoration is not achievable solely through human technology, but doing so, but the ideal way to do so is to use technology to assist nature to regenerate more quickly. Because if you think about it, Pripyat happened several years ago, almost, it's hard to believe it, but 40 years ago. Uh, and using technology will help regenerate ecosystems more quickly. The next few episodes will talk about how different technologies should embody regenerative thinking within the realms of artificial intelligence, genetic engineering, and geoengineering. Analyzing these examples draws my attention back to the original question. What would we do, or what would happen if one is not forced to choose between subscribing to the failing model of sustainability and the passive romanticism of collaboration between species which are choices that leave our environments in increasingly devastating conditions. Indeed, what is a complete era if not one that can adapt to natural phenomena instead of trying to fit the phenomenon into the model? Just like the rampant synaptic pruning of the adolescent brain, hydrothinking assimilates the ideas presented by multiple models of an era. The hydrocene itself regenerates and the technologies that are in it must do the same. Hydra thinking, which includes regenerative thinking as described above, requires its technologies to fix its flaws with a collaborative mindset for the purpose, for the main directive of restoring our ecosystems. Thus, I propose a new name for an era, the Hydrocene, based in regenerative thinking. It allows us to go beyond the notion of sustainability and harness the natural restorative properties of the Earth's ecosystems to benefit all species on Earth. I will explore it in three contexts, artificial intelligence, genetic engineering, and geoengineering. Each will provide a unique benefit to ecosystems and regenerate them. And these three technologies are some of the most dynamic and critical ones that humanity has devised. AI will be able to collect large amounts of biological data to use in climate experiments and sometimes even regenerate ecosystems actively. Genetic e engineering will be able to actively and passively regenerate the biodiversity of ecosystems, creating a balance. And geoengineering will be able to redistribute the carbon from the atmosphere to the natural carbon cycle, and thus offset major human activity. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening in. This has been an episode of the Amygdala podcast, the first one of the Hydrocene series, titled Introduction to Regenerative Thinking. Please write your feedback at amygdalapodcast.com. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram at, at amygdala underscore podcast and on Patreon at patreon.com slash amygdala podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and we will return for the next one where we will talk about regenerative AI. Bye.